Welcome to the Board Game Community Show. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today I'm joined by Chris Barrows. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? So good. You know, I uh, you podcast quite a bit. You have. Yes. Yes, I done have. Two, uh, let's see. You have your Supernatural one. What's it called? Uh, we have. So right now I have a podcast uh, that's called Back on the Hunt, a Supernatural podcast. And uh, it's actually a co-worker of mine who we both like Supernatural and we recap. Uh, we're on season one, so we're re-watching the entire show again. Um, and that's the current one. But I had podcasted twice before. I used to do a podcast called Five Favorites. For those who, who don't know me, which probably many people listening, I was and I am in the social media industry. So a lot of that was about technology and social. The big one years ago was I had a podcast, Why I Social, where I'd argue similar to what I do on my channel, I just talk to people who are in the social media industry versus now I do, you know, on, on my own YouTube channel. Now I'm talking to people in the board game industry. It's a very similar format, though. Uh, so it was born out of something that I actually did previously. And your new channel is, t- well, it's not even new necessarily, but <laughs> what you're doing now. <laughs> it's newer. I mean, th- there's so many people have been in this space. It's I'm, you know, I always say it's like, I don't do it for anything but fun. It's it's for my enjoyment. Um, I, I obviously have done it for enjoyment and meeting people, but I started the channel. Technically, I started in November last year, but I didn't do anything with it. Actually, the initial people who helped me start it, Ryan and uh, Teresa, were amazing people, but very busy schedules. So it what I eventually did was I really got going in January with a with a great group of people, me being the person on most things, but bringing in a, a bunch of other people. And yeah, January, I'd say I really got going with the Tabletop Express and uh, just trying to be focused on fun, fam- fun, family, gaming, um, really just having a good time. I, I There's a lot of channels out there, so I don't try to, I'm the first to admit, I don't try to do like this massive thing about here's how I'm, here's how this game plays and do like an overview and gameplay just because that's not my area of expertise. I love talking to yeah. people. So a lot of what I do is just that talking to people. Nice. I love that because that's what I love. Like we here in we play board games to kind of like socialize, right? Like it's a very social uh, hobby. I, I mean, that is really what it is for me. That's why and I, one, I like conversation. I, I find conversation interesting. I love talking and interviewing people. I love getting to know people. That's why I like the interviewing process. But I think that when it comes down to it, uh, I love the idea of meeting, for me, people in the industry and people who are passionate about the industry, whether they be other content creators or the designers themselves. I mean, for me, I remember really early on I had, and he's been on a lot of shows, so this by no means is like some incredible thing that occurred in, in the reality of things, but having Jamie Stegmeyer on and having a great conversation with Jamie. And I remember someone came to me after and said, why wow, you asked Jamie a lot of different questions that I have not heard him ask? Cause he does a lot of stuff. So right. I, I, I kind of focused as I did it all on, well, how can I have these conversations still make them unique, but not just hitting on people like Jamie for the show, but also saying someone who's doing their first project. And a lot of these people are looking for you know, a way to get the word out. And if I can get them to two people, I get enjoyment from that. You know, it's that that's really my, my goal is to let people know about these awesome people who are doing really cool things. Uh, the one actually that stands uh, that stands out more recently was there was, I, I had an individual on uh, the show. I, I remember I found him through Facebook and he has a, has a game on Kickstarter that it, it, I should note this game is no longer on Kickstarter. It was, it passed. 
Um, I think that's, that's important to stress that. But the, the game was Castlescape deck building board game. And it. I looked at it from afar. I saw this thing. I'm like, hey, do you want to come on? And it's the first time he's ever done a project. So having him on, like he's a great example of like, just a game that people may not have known about that. That did really well. That Kickstarter, by the way, I believe I don't have a number in front of me, but uh, uh, no, I just pulled it up at $42,000, which is double. Oh, nice. Not a small number. That's what I thought. Um, But uh, neat little game caught my attention. So I love those kind of things more than anything is these people who maybe someone hasn't heard of. And I know a lot of people haven't heard of me. So I think that's part of the (laughs) fun of it too. Yeah, well, it's really cool looking through because you have the creator's corner. That's fun to watch, like, and just even just to look through the list because you can see like Jamie Stagmeyer. You can see, uh, oh, I just forgot his name. Well, well Shem Phillips was the other Shem big Phillips. one for yeah, me. That Shem was, was Shem. Shem is one of my favorite designers, arguably my favorite designer, and so Shem was a big one. But then again, it's mixed in. I, creator's corner is for me. I, I'll be honest; it's the heart of the channel. The other stuff that I do on the channel. I, I hope we'll bring people in and eventually lead them to creator's corner. That's really my goal that I, I put creator's corner at the heart of it. And then these round table discussions that I try to have, I mean, that I, as we're re- recording this, it, it, you know, this may, this episode may already be aired by the time people listen, but I'm doing one upcoming on uh, just the experience of volunteering at a con. How do you do it? What's it like? Why should you do it? And those sort of things, which, Exciting stuff for me, because in my view, it's like we're just getting back to the point where people are trying to go back to conventions. And so trying to hit on timely things um, in a more roundtable format. So those, but again, conversation-based. It's all, anything that you're going to hear me talk about really excited, it's a conversation. It's not me saying, this is how you play the game. There's people much better at telling you how to play a game than me. Uh, and I'm the first to say that. <laughs> you know, and, I'm the first, <laughs> and I'll be the last to say it. I love it so much because that's essentially my same goal. We have the same type of goals here is like talking to people, getting to know people and and just having fun. That's well, that's the name of the game. That's the yeah. name of the game for me. When I talk about board games, I talk about joy. I, I, that's the word I, I bring them a lot because I, board games bring me joy. Um, I'm an extrovert. I should state it's if you talk to me, it's really clear I'm an extrovert. I, I actually, it was interesting during the pandemic, one of the things was people saying, well, how are you doing or how's everything going? And I said, well, it's great. I'm spending all this time with my family, my kids, all, a lot of great things are happening, but I missed people. So I will say the board game community was critical for me because I was meeting a ton of new people. I was making these new connections. And now I know, for example, when I go to PAX Unplugged, as I'm planning to in December, there's a bunch of people I'm going to meet uh, for the first time in person. And I'm just really excited about it. But these are people who honestly helped me get through because whether I was playing games with board game arena with them or something else, I have this, like I, I could best describe it as this constant urge to talk to someone uh, at any given moment. Like I can't go without conversation for too long. That's just, I don't not, that's my extrovert life, I guess you would say. Well, some people would rather be like, leave me alone. I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, no, I want to like, who do you want to talk to me? <laughs> I admit it, you know, I, to myself, yeah. like, that's just knowing yourself is important. So that, I, I think the community has been really helpful, um, especially during that time when we were just locked in indoors for what seemed like an eternity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And still are to a certain degree. I don't, where yes. are you at? I am in New Jersey. So I'm, oh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm not, I, if there was no traffic, I could get to New York in 15 minutes, but um, that's never the case. (laughs) That was the case for a little bit there, but yeah, I'm in New Jersey, been here 
five, six years. Um, originally from New York, though. If you ask me, I'm a New Yorker. I'm from New oh, York okay. State. Uh, born in born in and around the uh, New York City metro area. So I will always consider myself a New Yorker first and foremost. I'll never be from New Jersey. I lived in Scranton for nine years. I'm definitely I don't no offense Scranton, but I'm definitely not from Pennsylvania. So I I just I'm very clear about it. Though I did pick up a Scranton accent for a while, which I I I'm pretty sure has left. But on occasion, it it <laughs> ekes out a little bit. Uh, you live there nine years, you pick up a few things. I think. Uh huh. I don't know what a Scranton accent sounds like. <sighs> it, it's I don't know if it's a Scranton accent. I don't know what to call it exactly, but it's like there's a there's like a river. I guess it's a river. And they, they say like up the Einen. Like that's one of the things. And like I used to. And so I started saying like up the Einen and, and other things. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to sound like I've lived here my whole life. Um, <laughs> it's hard to describe. Um, if you watch The Office, they do not sound like they're from Scranton, Pennsylvania at all. Um, yeah. For the record, they sound like, no, they're, they're not. Though that show did come to Scranton on occasion and do research. So I always give The Office credit. Yeah. That. People always ask me about the office, so I just bring it up before people have a chance to ask me. Because <laughs> you say Scranton, say, "Oh, the office." I know, I was there. I lived. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I lived there basically during the course that that show was on the air and left when it went off the air. Oh, so, funny! That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> did Timing you ever see weird. any of them? Uh, yes, actually, we did. They had a convention. Uh, they had oh. an office convention, so I met good, good por- outside of like Jim Pam and no, I did meet Dwight. Um, from a, from a character perspective, because people may not know all the actors' names. Um, Rain Wilson, though, played Dwight. He came. I met most of them. Jim and Pam are the only ones I didn't meet. Uh, I did have, uh, I did have, uh, let's see, it was Brian and who played um, the two accountants who sat in the back, um, Angela and Brian uh, is oh, the yeah. actor. Uh, that Angela herself served me a beer at the one convention at the one convention, which is pretty cool. I got a photo of her um, pouring me a beer because they oh, worked the bar for a little bit, which was that's amazing. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool experience. Yeah, um, I think is that that's probably a reference. I think I remember an episode where they were like the bartenders or something. Well, Brian eventually is a bartender, brother. I spoiler alert: if anyone's watching, give yeah. me that. Brian eventually is a bartender at a point in the show. Not saying when and where. I'm just saying eventually he's a bartender. So. Okay, I haven't watched the whole thing, nor do I think I will watch the whole thing. <laughs> it it look it's it's a popular show. Much like I yeah. compare it to like a popular board game. It's not for everyone. Like I always say, it's like people told me to buy. I, I the the running joke with me is people that told me, "Oh, you'll love this," and it was Caverna, and I played it. I bought it. First, which was the mistake. Uh, <laughs> I bought it and I said, I, and I literally said, I hate this. I'm like, oh, I no. absolutely hate this. Um, and I think that's for any of these things. It's like, it's just any popular show you might like. Like right now, Squid Game's really popular. I oh, know yeah. my wife ain't going to watch Squid Game, you know? <laughs> just, <laughs> she ain't going to watch it. She ain't going to uh, like it. And so I ain't going to even bother. Uh, that's what I thought. And then yesterday, last night, my wife says, Hey, I've been on Twitter a lot lately and everybody's talking about Squid Games. And I was like, Babe, I don't think this is a show for you, but I will watch it with you. <laughs> She's yes, like, we'll see. I look, I but I, you know, when as we talk about board games and other things, the thing I always say is that's actually one of the reasons I started the channel was I see recommendations for things all the times. I see top ten lists. One, there is no such thing 
in my opinion, as the number one game, because the number one game is different for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Um, there is a whole set of people who hate, and I mean hate the game Scythe. They, they, they just, they, they do not like Scythe. They don't, they don't think it's a good game. Whatever reason would be. Arguably my number one game. Arguably my favorite game. So I think about it, and then uh, the other problem I always say is, not only do we make recommendations, people say, oh, what game would I, what game do you think I should get? I'm looking for a two-player game. And I'm like, I need more than that. So as opposed to answering the question, what do you like? What do you like worker placement? Do you like card draft? You know, so I, I think about it. We make these recommendations. And, and to me, that was actually what spawned when I said a, a segment that I had started to make called, is this game for you? Which is, it's very positive, but that's intentional because it's trying to say, who is this game for? This is not, here's who it may not be for and here's who it may be for. So overall, I think it's a positive show, but it's not like a positive for the sake of being positive. It's positive to say, well, here's who I think is going to like it. And yeah, for you, if you don't like deck building, you're not going to like this. If you don't like a longer game, you're not going to like this. If you don't like a long setup, you're not going to like this. Yeah. Um, Like Dinosaur Island. I love Dinosaur Island. I ended up selling it because I could not get it to the table. It is a great game, but to get it to the table, it takes like 30 minutes to set up. And I don't think, I don't think that's an exaggeration. It felt like it takes 30 <laughs> minutes, um, but it's an incredible game. It's a deep game. Great game. It was not worth me owning because my family wasn't going to play it. My board game group was, didn't even want to play it. And I just said, I can't own this. It's not worth my, my time or my money. So, um, you know, you got, you got to have perspective, right? Like what yeah. kind of shows, if you don't like horror theme shows you're not going to like squid game you know so yeah there you go <laughs> yeah exactly well, I, th- I love what you're talking about with board games too because people have their like go-to recommendations right like yeah. especially when someone's new to the hobby and i'm like but that like you're looking at it from like a very generic point like look at it look at the person like I, my very first game i introduced my friend to who told me he hates board games was fallout because he loves the fallout video game right and so many people hate the fallout board game i saw so much hate on it when it first came out i think the expansions made it better but we played it and he was like i felt like i was playing the video game with with a friend you know like it was like a better version than of fallout uh 76 (laughs) that's not hard uh no offense (laughs) i tried that game uh, it's true though. I looked at Fallout. I don't own it because there's no one who will play it with me. Yeah. Uh, but I would play Fallout in a heartbeat because I love Fallout the series. I have um, the Fallout. I'm looking behind me. Hold on a sec. Where the heck is it? Well, I don't see it. But I have the 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 ver- the board game that's the version of a mobile game, uh, Fallout Shelter. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And Fallout Shelter. It is if someone likes Fallout, it's a game I use to teach them worker placement actually because. Oh. It's not going to be, look, Lords of Waterdeep, all these other ones people mention all the time, right? If you like Fallout and you want to introduce someone to worker placement, Fallout uh, that Fallout Shelter is great to do it because it's Fallout, but you're learning worker placement. You're also learning this idea of a game where you are adding new locations along the way that other people are going to be able to go to. So I, I like it because it, there is a little bit of a difference to it. Um, you are dealing with attacks and everything that's going to happen in that game too, but it's a fairly basic and straightforward game and a fallout fan is going to be very aware and into it. And now you've got them understanding the general idea of worker placement. And that's to awesome. me, well, that's my, that's my methodology though. It's I teach, I think about mechanics, right. Yeah. And I like, I got a kid 
I got two kids actually, but my, my eight year old and I've taught him mechanics of games up to this age. And now I can put a game on the table. I I always go back to the first time he played Raiders of the North Sea. He was six, uh, six years old and he almost seven at the time, but he was still six. Uh, and he won his first game because I taught him the general mechanics of, all right, you've got this, you've got this. The only thing he had to learn in that game was the fact that I place a, p- a person down to take an action and then I'm removing a piece. So that was the only thing. I'm not saying every six or seven year old could play Raiders of the North Sea. I think board game families will probably teach their kids board games earlier. And, and so I think very often, you know, we might be able to speak to that, but um that was just an experience to remember. He, he he liked the game. He played it. We still play it sometimes. It's my one of my favorite games. So it's going to hit the table a few times a year. Yeah. But, but to me, the mechanics is huge. What? Because you 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 like some mechanics, you dislike other mechanics. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I like. I don't like. I I used to think too. I think we also can't. I always say we can't dismiss a game because of a mechanic either. Because like I'm not the biggest fan of auction based anything to be honest but uh, to go on a turn in a in one of my favorite games um hit z road underrated game by the way uh never heard of it there's a auction mechanic that you have to auction off like your resources which are huge because you're trying to you know get to the end of the the game alive and you have to do that to go first because the paths can be really difficult like there might be six zombies on one and yeah hit z road it's a really cool game. Really, have to check it you out. can get it dirt cheap. It it, it's, it goes on sale all the time, all yeah. the time. It's highly underrated, in my opinion. Again, <laughs> uh, clear thing, my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's what all board games are, right? There, if you like them or not, that's your opinion. Other people, are, I think the same thing with any art, right? Uh, somebody once told me that when you're creating art, you're gonna have one diehard fan, at least one diehard fan who thinks your stuff is the best and you're their favorite. And then everyone else might hate it, but you might have that one like, and then you've made it. It, it doesn't one. take, but there's, there's a, there's a game for everyone. The worst game in the, one of the worst games I've ever seen. I've not even played it. Cause I looked at it and said, this is awful. And that is, <laughs> it's sitting behind me actually. Cause it only sits on the shelf and I will not get rid of it. I got it for free is lost the board game. I do not know what the designers thought when they got this, (laughs) that that game, the instruction sheet looks like it was printed out on my printer. It's, it's, I, I, I I own it because I'm a huge lost fan and I got it for free. I I honestly can't even bring it to the table because I'm going to like, someone's not going to play board games because of it. Even if they're a lost (laughs) fan, I, it's just not, I don't know. I, I like Have you ever game. played it? I I tried it, and even I was like, <laughs> that was my reaction. I tried <laughs> to, I did like a fake two player game of it, uh-huh. um, and I don't even know if it would be best at two players. But I did like a fake two player game. I'm like, no, no, this is this is not good. Yeah, but it was free. It looks cool on the shelf. It's got the big lost symbol on the side. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll keep this. Well, it's- I own that too, and I will never get rid of it. It. And I don't even, you know, how people say, like, how many games do you have on your shelf of shame? I've never played it. I tried to learn it, and I was like, what the heck is going on here? This does not make sense. This is weird. Well, then then you st- you saw that sheet. The rules is not even yeah. a rule book. It's a no. sheet of paper. It baffled my mind. I mean, people complain about rule books. If you want the worst rule book of all time, it is this game, I in would, my opinion. 
I agree. I never ever think of it even as a game. I just I'm just like it's just a collectible. That's all it, it is. It, but <laughs> that's the debate I see all the time in board games. Is what are, are some of these collectibles? I'm, I'm the first to say yes. Sometimes I buy a game and I know I'm going to play it twice. But my argument always with that is: say I spend thirty dollars on a board game, forty dollars on a board game, even whatever it yeah. might be. If I go to a movie right now, it's going to cost me fifteen to twenty dollars. It's if I'm seeing IMAX and upwards to twenty dollars. I'm only going to see that movie in the theater. I'm not going to be able to rewatch that in the theater. Now I'm going to have to go buy that on Blu-ray or buy the digital version or whatever it might be. Am I not getting a better value out of that game if I play it once or twice? In my view, I am. Because that can be, say I play it two, three times. That's four or five hours. I got more time out of that game than I did from that movie. So you could tell me it doesn't matter or that that's a bad investment. I, my viewpoint is I can continue to play these. And, and so for me, I, I'm, I'm the first to say I've got way too many. I'm looking to my left now as that we're no, I know no one can see me, but I'm looking to my left. I've got a stack of, I don't know, 12 to 15 games that are unplayed. And that's okay with me. They will get played. I will play them. And if I don't like them, guess what? I donate them to the library. So that's, that's just, that's just how it is. If I don't like them and I think they're a quality game, but just not for me, they go to the library uh, or I sell them. I'll sell some, but I'll definitely donate a good half of any game I decide not to keep to the library. I love that you did the theater value thing because I do the exact same thing. And the other day I was explaining that to somebody and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was like, holy cow, I've never factored factored in multiplayer. Like, uh, you know, if I go to a theater and it costs me $15 for me, it also costs $15 for my wife. So that's $30 to go see a two hour right. movie ish. So if I play one four player game of a, of a $60 game, that's $15 each. And it probably lasts just as long or a little longer than a movie. Yeah. I, and that's, that will always be my argument. I will play it enough. I, if I play Raiders of the North sea once a year with all the expansions, and I play it three, four hours. And I do that once a year for the next 10 years. I The investment is there. I've won. Yeah. New York Zoo is is a game I've played probably since I bought it four times. I can count it on my, on my hand. Well worth it. Great little game. My wife likes it. It pops out every once in a while. It's not, we don't put it all the time. The investment was, it was good there. I got the game, I think for like 20 bucks. So oh, yeah. for $20, I... You're telling me that's five bucks. You want to really be financial. You could break down and say, okay, that's $5 a play. Yeah. Like that's cheap. And then I play it again. Now that goes down again. That continues to go down. Now it's $4. Then So uh, to me, I do the financial way because I think people just understand money and everyone wants to make things. This is not a cheap hobby though. It's, and that's the, I, I saw a clip the other day, which I don't know what the source was. I don't know if it was manipulated. I don't know what the topic was, but it was, it was just some interview. And, and, and a woman goes, I paid $35 for a board game. And I'm thinking about it, like, well, what board game did this woman buy? In the back of my head, I'm thinking, what did she buy? I mean, if she bought Monopoly for $35 and this is not a knock on Monopoly, but she bought Monopoly for $35. Yes. I think Monopoly for $35 is an overpay. Not everyone would agree, though, because some people will collect everything of every version of Monopoly. And to that person, that $35 is worth it. So I, I think, again, it comes back to what are you into? Um, Monopoly, I know, comes up, but it's like that's I always say Monopoly as an example because people know Monopoly and Monopoly will get people into the hobby. You can use it to get them into the hobby. So 
I I will not demonize it. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a joke about it. Certainly amongst yes other more hardcore board board game players. But I'm not even like a. I don't know about you, but I'm not like the every game I want to play. I want to be a heavy board game. I love light medium weight games. I love them. I love a good light game that I can get to the table and just play. And I don't have to even think sometimes, you know, like just give me some push your luck every once in a while. I'm fine with that. I won't win. Look, at <laughs> I have never won a games of quacks of Quedlinburg ever. I've oh, played no. the game more than a dozen times still yet to win. My family beats me every time. So I, but I still play it. I still like it. That is awesome. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. That's, I only can get those ones with my wife, right? Like, yes. I don't know how. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> she's not into heavy games. I'm, ha- I'm really trying hard to get her to try Spirit Island, which I know is like a bad idea. It that is a heavy game. I it sits on my shelf. I've done a solo. I've played. I've never played it with people. I've only done it solo, so I can't even oh. speak to a multiplayer experience. Uh, no, it it depends. It depends on the audience. My wife yeah. plays games. She likes playing games, but she doesn't want to play. She just want to play like Brass Birmingham or something. She no. She's like I don't. She wants to sit at the table for two hours. Is is the point? Yeah, yeah. I totally so like architect. I I I think a lot of people's tipping point is going to be something and I'm going to go the Shem route here, which is like an architects of the West or a Raiders of the North sea where you're not quite, it's a game. that doesn't, that you can teach it. It's a, there's more strategy involved. There's more steps, but they're not quite a paladins, which is definitely going to be heavier. Um, uh, you know, a heavier experience, not being even a heavy game, but it's a he- significant, I don't consider it a heavy game. Some might, but it's heavier. There's a lot more decision-making um, in my view. You just kind of know your audience, which in the, the case of a spouse may or may not be a heavy game. It depends. I mean, everyone's uh, she'll play plenty of games, though. She'll try any game once except for Fallout. Actually, it's ironic that you say Fallout. She will not try Fallout. <laughs> That's it's acceptable. That's OK. <laughs> well, we've skipped. I, I mean, we were just we just went right into it, which I'm excited about. But I got to go back to one of the OG questions of how you got into board games. Oh, that's a good question. So it's, and it's great that you asked that because it's the opening question that I always ask on creator's corner. So it's funny to be on the opposite side of that. So for me, it's years ago, years ago, years ago, uh, I used to play monopoly of all things. Yes. Uh, with my grandpa and I, I liked monopoly. I got, I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun thing to do with the family. I had the ability to focus and do it, play the full game. We did the rule with, um, we did the rule where if you landed on Park Place, you got the money. Uh, you know, we which I, which was not what everyone did, but I always loved that, and I and I always wanted to get Boardwalk and Park Place like everyone else who plays that game. So I, I enjoyed that uh, for many years. Though I got away from it, I was very much in video games. Uh, still love video games, and I still play them. I play quite a bit of them. I have an Xbox Game Pass, so whatever comes out, I'm able to play on on there. But it was probably when my son was born that I started going from just having munchkins and other stuff on the table, uh, which I don't even really like munchkins anymore. Ironically, I find it kind of irritating. But um, <laughs> I, I, my son uh, was, was maybe two years old, so six, seven years ago. And I said, oh, wouldn't it be great just to teach him some things, colors, whatever, and maybe we can do it with board games. So started doing it. And I developed a method of teaching colors, shapes, matching, et cetera. Instead of buying the boring matching 
card games of like matching your Paw Patrol characters, or whatever, which we do have <laughs> certainly. But I said, I want to do this in a different way. So started doing that, started getting uh, STEM based games and then digging more and more into it. I, I went away over a weekend and my buddy Ryan uh, took out Scythe and Scythe was the game that I say made me get really into the, the truly modern version of the hobby. Um, it's not to say I didn't play Catan and other stuff over the years. I've never been the biggest Catan fan. It's fine. It is what it is. I, 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 you know, I, nowadays I, I found it personally outdated and it was Scythe that did. It. And then I, it, it cannonballed from there. I, I don't own, when you talk to board, people who pl- collect board games and play board games, I mean, there's people who own 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, whatever. I'm probably sitting at 200 board games and people in my you know town might say, wow, that's a lot. But you talk to board game people, it's like, oh, that's a good number. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that impressive. It's, it's a fine number. Uh, but we play a lot. And what's great about it is I can say my family, we have a shelf upstairs. It used to be covered full of books. Uh, and then I remember it was a few years back. My wife goes, we don't read these books. I And and, and I'm like, yeah, I know we don't. It, it's just there to look nice. She's like, why don't we just put the board games on the shelf instead of you keeping them in the basement? Well, now I have plenty in the basement. But the family games, the games we pull off more often are up there. And we just can pop them off the shelf. But the board games, so we have board games left there, board games in the basement, they're everywhere. Um, and it was just a fun hobby. And as opposed to other things I collected, like I collect Funko Pops of that are very specifically Captain America Marvel ones. But in the long run, they don't have a play value to them. They just sit there, right? This was, I'm like, no, this is a, actually a good investment of my time. And my running joke has always been, if the, if the zombie apocalypse hit, and like we're stuck inside, you know, fortified in. At least my house has entertainment, you know. Compared yeah. to everyone else's house, I got at least something we could do. <laughs> as, yeah. opposed, as opposed to you know, you know, you got no power, electricity, whatever. Well, well, we got board games. Um, yeah, light some candles and play some board yeah. games. Light some candles, play some board games. We're good. But I love board games now, and I can't live without them. I don't pretend I've been in the industry as long as so many others in terms of being hardcore. And I never was a D&D guy. I tried D&D like once or twice, and I liked the idea of it, but it was just such a long play that mm. when I saw them happen, I'm like, no, I don't have five hours. <laughs> I just, <laughs> and, and I found in, in sessions that my buddies were playing were like five hours long. But no, I don't have five hours for that. That's why I stopped, that's why I stopped playing World of Warcraft because years ago, <laughs> because they, they, they were like five-hour dungeon raids or whatever. I'm like, no, oh. don't wanna, I don't want to do that. That I was is just wild. Happy. Yeah, I was just happy to get a horse. And now you want me to go in a dungeon for five hours and we may not even win? No, sorry. Yeah, so. that's all right. I'll pass. <laughs> it's a very quick pass. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's the origin of it all. I, I give it. I give credit back to Jamie and, and Scythe and, and that game. And that, that's probably why it's number one and held my number one spot for a really, really long time. Yeah, um, which answers the next question. Which is normally what's your favorite board game? <laughs> yeah, I'd say side, but the thing I will note is I also have the categorized things. Like, oh, of course. If you talk two player games, and yeah, I'd say, oh, what's your favorite two player? Well, Targi's been my answer. I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to do a video about this at some point about why, why Mandala may usurp Targi as my n- favorite number two. Um, but Targi's like my favorite number two. If you talk about, for playing with other people or I honestly 
if anyone wants to play Marvel Champions, I love playing with that with other people because I get to feel like superhero. It's a, it's a fun experience. It's very easy entry level point, in my opinion, uh, for the most part. Like I could teach anyone the game. Uh, so it, it all depends. Um, I, I'm a big fan of deck building. So that's I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I mean, I, buy, I have every pack, so I <laughs> I can play everything. I have not even played the, all the characters, but I will own every pack in that game. There's same. No I don't even, I, especially yeah. cause, especially cause I don't know what the future for fantasy flight is going to be in five years. So I may as well get them while I can. You don't at any, any of these companies now you don't know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I love Marvel champions. So actually it's funny that you said Targi because Ryan from cardboard conjecture, that's like his favorite two player game. I've never played it. I really, really need to, but I consider you, Ryan, and me to be like all very, very similar on Twitter. Uh, like we're we're all soul brothers, <laughs> as he said. Um, and now I feel that even more. Like I, now I feel like I need to try Targi. My wife has looked at Mandala because she thinks the box is pretty. So I'm like, I need to get this because as soon as I, she I shows any interest, I the, the thing I can say is the setup of that game uh, mandala is simple uh-huh. the gameplay is simple yet strategic I, I it's and it is beautiful just because the game looks beautiful does not make it a good game Absolutely. but this particular <laughs> game i i yeah i uh i'm very very much thinking it has the potential and i know people with two player mentioned like seven wonders duel and other stuff but seven wonders duel is like, i don't want to say it's a pain to set up but it you know, all right, we got to go to the next round or Japer, Hyper, which great game, but this changing between rounds, like, all right, we got to redo all this. There's certain games that I think lose some points because they just take some time in between or whatever it may be. Targi is pretty straightforward, but Mandala is so simple to say. I, it's a beautiful, simple game and yet deeply strategic, which is up. I, I think it's worth trying. I can say I that from my to. limited, limited plays. I can't, I can't, uh, allow it to be number one just yet because I have not played it enough. And I played Targi like 50 plus times. In my life. <laughs> nice. So, I love Targi. <laughs> awesome uh, designer too. Uh, his story. I, I did talk to him. His audio is a little bit rough um, at times in that conversation, just because of connection that he has. Uh, but it was a lot to put together because he time zone wise, we're very far away from each other, but he's wonderful. One of the kindest people you'll ever meet. And he really enjoys people like, you know, playing his game. He interacts with them. And what's neat about his story is, I mean, he really pitched this to one person. And if it didn't work out if, with that group, he was fine with it being, you know, just, just a game you got to play. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm so glad he did what he did. Who was the designer? And, uh, his name is Andre. Um, and he is, uh, he is, I'm trying to remember specifically the town he was based because we actually, uh, <laughs> we're talking, but what's interesting about him uh, in terms of Targi is uh, he has in those stores and it's, uh, it's Andre Steiger, Andreas Steiger, technically, I was just calling him Andre. Um, he has that like in grocery stores, like by him, like it's oh. just openly available in grocery stores, stuff like that. Like locally it's just purchased. Right. So it's a, it's a popular game. Um, and he is uh, a wonderful human being. You'll see him in like, I mean, you'll see him 
in like Facebook groups and stuff, like thanking people for playing his game. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's just a good guy. Uh, and a lot of these designers, I'll tell you a lot of these designers are, that was oh, my yeah. big takeaway from creators corners. I, I talk to people all the time through it and I don't really get, no, I don't have time to talk to you or, or something like that. Like it, they don't, they, they enjoy talking about it. Unlike, unlike I, what I ran into sometimes with social media personalities who were thought they were a big deal. Um, and that's their prerogative. But a lot of these people just they just they're open to chat, have a good conversation. Uh and uh all shapes and sizes in, in the world of board gaming and they all deserve to be highlighted. So I I enjoy doing it, but the fact that they say yes to me is the best part. Like that the fact that like I don't feel like I have to like feel like, okay, um, here's what it is. Here's my channel statistics, and this is why you should join. I don't have to like do a big pitch. Yeah. Just, that, that's a big deal to me. That's that's the difference maker. Uh, in the industry for me is that these people will just talk to me. Yeah. And they're very kind. I tell them about the channel as a basic note and that's it. And I love that so much because like uh, I had Rob Davio on my old podcast and I reached out to him and he was just like, great, let's set it up. He didn't ask like, well, what are your stats? How long have you been going? He was just like, let's do this. And then I even messed some, I, I forgot to hit record with him. Oh, I hate so that. <laughs> 15 minutes into like talking, great conversation. I, I was like, shoot, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I expected him to be like, you know what? That was really unprofessional. Like we're done, you know, like w- which would be an understandable reaction. But he was just like, he gave me a little crap about it, but very fun. You know, like it was just a little yeah. like, playful banter, like amongst friends. And I was just like, oh, this guy is so awesome. Like, <laughs> I, I again I, I just find a lot of these people are down to earth friendly and it's a small you think of it, it's still a niche yeah in, in all these ways because mainstream games yes we see wingspan and we see um uh, Funko games makes some particularly good games that we see in target like immediately you look at horrified I, I mean I think having a reskin because that's what it is with the American monsters and just ran stores sold off I was in target every day go on not not on the shelf. And I was watching this couple come, oh, this looks cool. Like I I and then I here I am. I find myself now selling a game. I don't work at Target, but I'm trying by myself now selling horrified. <laughs> well, that's a good deal. It's really fun. I was like, oh, is it how's this play? Like what is I'm, and I described it like, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm gonna check that out. I intentionally I unintentionally become a salesperson sometimes in that section yeah. of Target. <laughs> but you're seeing those games, but I, I don't think most of there's so many like one of my favorite games uh is a that i do not play enough uh is is actually and i'm turning around to make sure i have it all properly where did i oh here it is maximum apocalypse um maximum apocalypse is just it there's this great story to it the gameplay is fun you're you're moving around and and uh, trying to fight these different scenarios. There's monsters. You've got a deck of cards. I don't know this this game. You're not going to see it in a store. It's just not in a store. I've never actually seen it in a store. Friendly local game store, big box. Like it's just a game through Kickstarter. And I look at this and like, thank God that I'm in like you know what following the stuff because I would have never seen it. But my son and I can enjoy playing it through and going through the little stories and all the different monsters that end up being in it because it starts like with zombies and then there's other ones eventually Cthulhu's in it. Like it's you're dealing with all things in an apocalypse. There's a bug one, which I find actually really creepy because bugs are 
creepy. There's, I think there's giant bugs at some point. I haven't got to it, but huh. yeah, fun little game. And they had an expansion more recently too. What was it um, called again? Maximum Apocalypse. Mac- maximum <laughs> Apocalypse. Okay, cool. It, it, it's a, it's a fun little, it, not little game. It's by all means, it's not necessarily little. They've got a lot of stuff for it, but yeah. Maximum Apocalypse, uh, Mike Gnad, G-N-A-D-E, is the designer for that one. Nice. I'll have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. So what do you do outside of board games? You talked about video games for a sec. So yeah, I I mean, certainly I play video games. I've played video games since I was a kid. I'm never going to stop. My joke is when I retire, I know what I'm going to do at night, board games and video games. That's what I'm going to do. It's a very different world than my dad, who's talking about like, what should I collect? And I'm like... I don't know. I know what I'm doing, (laughs) but uh, I, yeah. And and I I do social for a living. I teach social media. I'm an adjunct professor. I'm also on the board of trustees for my local library where I run the Verona board game club. Um, We haven't returned yet just because of people coming back to the library games pieces. It's, it's not quite there, but we actually have a, about 45 to 50 games in the library that we're in the process of making it. So people can be able to take them out. Uh, so it's a lot of backlogging them in a system, um, so that they'll be able to actually schedule that. But, uh, that's a big thing for me. Love being involved with my library. You'll see me advocate for donating to your library as opposed to selling. Um, if you've got the disposal income, you can make a big impact. So that's a big piece of it. And I'm a dad, uh, dad, the two, two kids, eight year old and a three year old, uh, and those kids are my world. So a lot of it, I got to spend the time with them. So I I'm constantly moving sometimes too much. And I acknowledge that. Um, but I'm a late night person and not a morning person. So I can get a lot done at night. I like to say, uh, and, and I just enjoy it. I enjoy to try to enjoy life. I want to, you know, my viewpoint is regardless of what I'm doing, I want to live my life and I want to have fun. And I want to come back and say, God forbid something happens to me when I'm 50, at least I did my live my best life. And, and, you know, I used to public speak and do other things and travel and, the big thing was I didn't have the family then. So now having the family, I don't have the interest in traveling as much cons. I want to go to obviously and go play board games, but like, I can't just be on the road all the time. So I work remotely now and I work for a place that allows me to do that. And that's huge. Cause I was in New York and I love New York. New York's a great city, my favorite city, but yeah, I couldn't do the commute anymore. I was coming home at like seven at night. So it was it was too much in my view. Yeah. Oh, that would be rough. I I'm self-employed, so like the whole schedule thing, like I, I get I it drives me crazy. Like I don't work a full five days a week. I I work when I need to. Right. Um, and then I get to do other things, you know, like sometimes the other day I busted out Marvel Champions on the table at like 10 a.m. because I was just like, you know what? I feel like doing this. <laughs> that's, that's what I do with Hadrian's Wall. Sometimes over lunch, I'll play a game of Hadrian's Wall. That's, oh, nice. That's my go-to for solo game experiences is Hadrian's Wall, definitely, because uh, uh, no surprise because that's a Shem game, but it's the deepest, the deepest solo roll and write if technically game I've ever seen. It's so many choices to make. It's but. the scariest looking board. Like I've, I don't think I've really played any roll and writes um, other than Yahtzee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I want to, I picked up welcome to, which is like a roll and write without the dice. 
Uh, that's similar. Yeah, that's the similar kind of experience that you get there. Yeah. I mean, I look, I I look at these kind of things. And I look at life, and I look at, and I say, like, I was into the solo games, and the solo games are nice now because sometimes people just don't want to play a game. Sometimes I'm the only one who wants to play the games. So I'm like, oh, I need some <laughs> solo games. Um, and I don't necessarily want to set up, say, a Spirit Island. So something like this, quick to set up. Yeah. Hey, Spirit Island. I got set up in like five to 10 minutes the other day. I was so proud, but I didn't do any adversaries, no scenarios. So it was like, I did a very basic game because uh, I had an hour to play and I, I did it in 50 minutes. I was very proud there of you, myself. There you go. <laughs> Speed run. I was just like, ah, got to do this fast, uh, which normally I would turn to video games. Uh, right. Yeah. The games pass is well worth it. Well, I do the game, and I play, like, I got into hockey thanks to Game Pass, so now I play hockey. I'm in a fantasy hockey league. I play hockey once or twice a week online with my buddies. Um, So, I'm, yeah, we do chill on there, and I, 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 the time, that's my way that I hang out with friends up in Rochester, just, like, that's the way I see them. Um, And then we're planning, like, a con at some point for ourselves where we rent, like, a cabin on a lake and we just go up and play board games so because they like board Ooh. games too so it all interconnects like all these things interconnect i mean the most important job i have is a dad and a parent then i gotta make the money then i can do the extra stuff and the extra stuff i do plenty of the channel is work the channel is work running a youtube channel even with seven or six videos a month it, it takes time and effort and i always laugh because that's obviously a big part of what i'm doing and the <laughs> it ain't cheap like, like I'm not making money on it. I'm not doing it to make money, but <laughs> certainly not making money. Um, cause I'm spending the money to be able to do it properly and, um, make it easy to do. So uh, I enjoy it. I love it, but it's definitely a investment of my time and money. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I look at, cause you have such a diverse collection on your, on your YouTube channel. Like you've got the content creator, you've got your lists and uh, and discussions, and I th- which I think is so cool to be able to go to just your channel and be like, you know what, I feel like watching this. I feel like watching this. I I could I can watch quite a few of your videos just on the fly, like, and you fit multiple moods. That's what I go for. The big the big thing I don't have is gameplay. Like I always tell people, and that's because I don't have one. I don't have that time. I also just honestly, there's people who do it so well. I, there's no point. Yeah, like I know, I know what I can and can't do well, and I, I don't know. Maybe I'll do gameplay things at some point, but I'm not going to have high expectations for everyone tuning into me for that. I that's fine <laughs> if they do. If I do it, I'm doing it for fun. That's yeah. literally it. It's just well, fun. I think that's for anybody who wants to do gameplay videos. That is awesome. You should totally do it, but have very low expectations because. There are really amazing established people. Like, I mean, how to, how to, right? Like you just go to how to Rodney, you know, like. That's what I watch. And Rodney will engage with you on Twitter and all these other places and answer your question. Like, why would anyone, no offense to anyone out there, by the way, because I think there's people who do great stuff, but I, I have no reason not just go to Rodney. And Rodney probably has a video if the game is well enough known. So, yeah. It's he's the way that he's the way that I go. So, <laughs> Same. And I'm not I'll still watch occasional other ones. If Rodney doesn't have it, <laughs> I do for entertainment. There's some smaller creators. I like to support the uh, support the other smaller creators. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's a big thing. I think just cause you have under 500 subscribers or even under a thousand subscribers, um, 
some of the most active and engaging people in that community are smaller creators. And I think that's great. Um, I, I think that they bring more value to the space than often probably given credit. Um, and oh, some yeah. of these folks are doing really neat things. So I just try to support them as much as possible and, um, you know, make some connections along the way. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I watch, I definitely watch some other ones where uh, Rodney doesn't really give his views on the games. He just right. teaches it. And he makes that like a point of like, I'm just teaching it. I'm not putting my opinion. So occasionally I'll watch somebody who does put their opinion throughout. Um, and I love watching that, especially when they're smaller. Oh yeah. I agree. So Wonderful. Well, before we wrap up, do you still have like two more minutes or I can or give you, you two minutes. Yeah. Okay. You got two. <laughs> ridiculous theme where we come up with a ridiculous theme for a board game. Woo. Uh, do you have one? Ooh, ridiculous theme. Um, I don't know if it's ridiculous, but I have my mind on this because I, I, I was, I was thinking of like a paintball themed game or something. Cause I don't know that I've seen paintball themed, like just something like, elimination style almost um you have multiple characters and it's a paintball course i don't know if i've seen something like that so i was thinking about that the other day that's a pretty cool idea like as you say that i think almost uh like what if you had sleeves with different colored splatter so like i'm the red team and i've got red splatter and i can put that well i was thinking of in the sense of one of the more recent kickstarters the pirate game slipping my mind but like you slot it in and you say oh damn i got you know what i mean like it, it could be you could have skills. I don't know. To me, I don't know if it's ridiculous because I actually think it works. But like the idea of like, and you could have multiple paintball courses. Like you could have, I, I feel like it could expand in a lot of different ways. And and if something's out there like this and some of your, someone who listens tells you that, like, let me know. But I just like the idea of like sliding a card in, you got hit. Okay, great. Now you slot in, you've got one hit after um, multiple hits, you're out, whatever. And you've got X amount of players. So you're fielding a team uh, and you could, uh, to me, that's just a unique theme um it's i don't have, think i've seen it and it's kind of cool um because the color the colors for the teams would just be the paintball splatter uh, but imagine having a course and thinking i think like thinking x-men like uh like the the x-men not x-men the x-wing game um that oh, idea okay. of like you could pl- almost kind of go like how are you moving oh no i'm hiding behind this and so you could plot out your movements mechanically so i think there's a lot that could be done there i don't know just to uh, that's the crazy idea that comes to my head i love that that is so good there's so many possibilities with that i mean that's the thing with ridiculous theme though is it it doesn't have to be a bad game by any means like the whole i i said this in last week's which isn't out yet uh was that Wingspan was the inspiration behind Ridiculous Theme because I thought that was such a ridiculous idea for a game. Like, it does not sound like a fun game, but it is amazing. Great game. But yeah, yeah. that was my choice. I'd say paintball. You got multiple courses. Keep uh, very modular. I don't know. There's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. That could, be a lot. that could be everything from deck building to worker placement. I don't know. I don't, there's a lot of ways to deliver on that one. My mind is just racing. Uh, <laughs> I had come up with one based on some of what we talked about is like collectibles. Uh, Maybe it's like a multiplayer game where you choose what you want to invest in. And if you collect sets, you can obviously, your collection is worth more, but maybe you want to diversify your collection, but then you won't get as big of a collection in one thing that could combo into a higher value or I don't know, you know, different collectible collectibles, a board game. (laughs) 
<laughs> card. It'd be a card game. Def, that sounds like a card game. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Why don't you go ahead and plug what you've got? I do want to thank you. It's been great chatting with you. I appreciate especially, um, obviously, you working with my crazy schedule. Uh, I'm a dad with a lot of pickups and stuff, so I appreciate that. And certainly, I'd say if anyone's interested uh, in particular, I, I love talking with creators and designers and uh, Creators Corner over at the Tabletop Express is a place you're going to find that. So we always have a lot of fun conversations. And if you're a designer and you'd love to come on over, just send me a message. I'm really accessible. Perfect. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter at the TT Express because you cannot fit Tabletop Express on there. Um, or personally at C Barrows, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Which both are great follows. I love I love seeing both your accounts. So... <laughs> Both uh, very different, yeah. by the way. I, I I will say that. I'm definitely very me on my Sea Barrows account, the Tabletop Express, very board game focused. Sea yeah. Barrows is uh, a lot of Marvel stuff. <laughs> yeah, plenty of Marvel. There's a lot of that. Normally, right now, I'd say, thanks for listening, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to because it's going to keep going for a little while longer because it's Halloween weekend. And I went to you, the community, and asked two questions related to Halloween. What is your favorite horror-themed game? And what's your favorite scary movie? Added an addendum, which would be scary movie could be a TV series or even just a special, like a Halloween special. Because I used to absolutely love every year watching the episode of Community where there's the like zombie outbreak. I love, love, love that episode. And... I also watched, very related to this episode, Supernatural. For years, I would watch, like, there's, I think there's like three or four episodes of Supernatural's first season that are just insanely scary and amazing. The very first episode, there's the Bloody Mary one, and then I can't remember the third one. I should have looked it up. So I used to do that every year for Halloween. Uh, But my actual favorite movie is named by somebody else. But my favorite game... Halloween-themed game or scary game is Endangered Orphans, and nobody said that. It is by Certifiable Studios, and it is just a really fun, cool game. It's almost Tim Burton-esque in its art style, where you play as orphans trying to outlast your other orphan brethren and sistren from getting eaten by the boogeyman. And so you are moving about, kind of building the area out with cards and discovering new locations. And those locations have different abilities and give you different abilities. And all the while, you have to play a card, and those cards are called options. And your op- you might steal options from another player or make another player waste some of their options or discard some of their options. And then once you've run out of options, the boogeyman comes and eats you. Or you can do like an act of desperation at the main location and it makes it so you don't have to draw a option card. Instead, you draw one of these acts of desperation and one of those is the boogeyman and he eats you and you lose instantly. Or you could draw something that lets you reshuffle your cards and you get your deck back or give you more options somehow. So it's a really, really cool, clever game. Pretty quick. I really enjoy Certifiable Studios. I like both the games of theirs that I play. All right, now let's read some answers. 
BCB Ryan, Mr. Rao. He was on just a couple weeks ago. It won't be a surprise that Arkham Horror LCG will be my favorite scary game, but can also include Fury of Dracula and Letters from Whitechapel, Jack the Ripper theme. Oh, that sounds cool. I don't know if I've seen Letters from Whitechapel. Huh. Favorite scary movie would be Alien. Nice tense moments. I totally agree. I love Alien. I'm planning on watching Prometheus for the first time tomorrow. I don't know if that's even going to be scary or not. But Alien was fun, and it still holds up pretty good, other than like weird moments that drag a little bit too long. But I do love that movie. John Wood, my sensei at JDW Board Games, said Fury of Dracula. Also, I knew that one. I knew both of these folks because they have been on the show, and I they those are just their favorite games anyway. <laughs> uh, one person plays as Dracula, the others as vampire hunters chasing him down. And his movie, he also said on the show, which was Train to Busan. Busan? I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. So I'll say Get Out, which is an... an ah, I love that movie too. Once you know the twist, the second watch is probably more enjoyable. And I haven't watched Get Out a second time, but I should. It would be interesting to go back and watch it knowing the ending. David, Room Escape artist at Room Escape Art. David Spira, he's also been on the show. Oh my goodness, so many of these people have already been on the show. He said Mysterium, which I don't love regular Mysterium, but maybe if I played it with some people who knew. But I am loving, loving, loving Mysterium Park because it's just simplified. And then he actually said, my favorite movie too, Cabin in the Woods. I know Joss Whedon's a dirtbag, but I didn't know that when I saw this movie. And it's funny because I was telling my wife the night before about Cabin in the Woods and was saying, hey, like, let's watch it this year. So we're planning on watching that this year because it's my favorite. And then the next morning I woke up and David had sent that. And I was like, yes, I knew David was awesome. Zombev at Zombevin. You might think that he changed his name, but that's always been his name on Twitter for as long as I've been following him. It's not just uh, Halloween themed. Oh, and actually, Tinkerbot Games, quite a few of their games are kind of Halloween themed. So uh, you should check them out. He's also been on the podcast. Favorite scary game, Haunt the House. More spooky than scary, but great fun. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. Favorite movie, Silent Hill was amazing. Really captured the, oh, shoot. He didn't put shoot. uh, Feeling when the sirens went off. Honorable mention to Paranormal Activity for making me genuinely scared watching a movie. Oh, I can't watch Paranormal Activity. Even the trailers creep me out. Organized fun. My podcasting buddy, Phil, at Fun Organized. He said, game, anything Arkham. I love the whole universe, and the flavor text really gets you picturing all the mind-bending madness inducing abominations. Yeah, the Arkham Files, I have been very, very impressed with. I literally have Arkham Horror, the LCG revised edition in my cart because I've been putting it off. And once I found out that they were doing the revised edition, I was like, yes, getting that. Mecha Mac. At D Scythe Pilot. That's my good buddy Kyle. We go way back to middle school. We played in a band together. 
He did the music for Bunkers and Badasses. He said, game, world of horror. It's not technically a board game, but it plays like one, and the soundtrack is banging. I saw him playing that on Twitch, and it seems very retro, but really cool. Movie, also Silent Hill, the first one, not the one with the toaster jump scare. I don't know. I haven't seen either one of them. I'm a horror movie scrub, but I love the atmosphere of Silent Hill. (laughs) Carl at N20 Games. Carl and I have played a game together at least. He hasn't been on the show yet. I'll, I'll have to have him on. House on Haunted Hill and Evil Dead 2. Yes. Cardboard Revolution Games Co-op at Cardboard Revolt. That would be Tim Lampasona, I think. I'm pretty sure he runs theirs. Game Betrayal at House on the Hill. As janky as it can be, it creates the absolute best stories. I mean, yeah, I agree. I've only played it a very small amount of times, but I borrowed it from my brother so that hopefully I can get a few more plays in. Hopefully even during Halloween. That's the game I'm hoping to bust out. I'm saying hoping a lot. Movie. Oof, this is tough. Probably a tie between Alien and the VV itch. The Vitch. The Witch. I love atmospheric stuff with horrific conclusions. I don't know what the latter is, but Alien. Obviously awesome. Pearl. Cake of Doom. Pearl's also been on this show. So at Cake of Doom. Can the answer be that I scare easy and can't handle either? I'm actually with you. I don't watch very many horror movies. So that's kind of why Cabin in the Woods is my favorite is because there is a little bit of a scare for a while, but then it gets just more meta and cool to me. She also said Train to Busan is the last scary movie I remember watching. The characters were interesting and it wasn't too horror-like. I have to check that one out. Katie! <laughs> I like her name, Katie, but also spooky because everyone changed. Well, nobody here has really changed their name, but on Twitter, it's very popular for people to change their name to be like horror themed or uh, Halloween themed at Red Cheshire Cat. So Katie is the one where we played her game Persuasion for that episode. She said, I don't really have any horror themed games I like. Maybe if you count Shipwreck Arcana as horror. You are trying to avoid your doomed fates, after all. I totally agree. I mean, you can stretch for horror. You could say pandemic is horror, but that feels a little bit more like reality. I guess that I don't necessarily mean scary, or it doesn't have to be like a legitimate scary game. I've talked about that before on Twitter. Like, is there an actual game that can scare you? Board game-wise, video game-wise, yeah, you create that atmosphere. But board games, it's a lot trickier. I think you can create cool tension moments. Uh, Anyway... As for scary movie, definitely coherence. I don't want to spoil it. I'll just say I love the way it plays with perspective, which I had never heard of that movie. I looked it up and it looks really interesting. So I will have to watch that one because Phil also chimed in and said, I love coherence. Such a clever movie. (sighs) Two awesome people telling me a movie's good. I guess I gotta watch it. John Walton, a fellow Utah, somebody I've actually met in person at John Wesley Walton. He's a game designer, so keep your eyes open. He's working on some cool stuff. Eldritch Horror for game and The Thing for movie. Going back to my favorite, Certifiable Studios also has a The Thing game, Who Goes There, which I have always really wanted to play. And finally, John Moffat at John, J-O-N, Texmo. He was on too. He was on episode three. 
the majority of these people are past guests. <laughs> and I love every one of them. And I love the ones that I like I've been getting to know Carl better and seeing more of his stuff. John, great person. Kyle, I just always know. Anyway, John said, favorite scary game, Dark Moon. I think, so I took a break for a second so I could look at it. And just the cover of it looks really, really good, scary. Movie, John Carpenter's The Thing. Bam, another double. The Thing. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched the whole thing, but I really enjoyed what I saw. I wonder if it holds up though now. Oh man, that reminds me. Nemesis. That's the one that I want the most. And I feel like that'd be an awesome Halloween game, horror game. Cause I think that would just create some really good, cool, tense moments. Before we move on, I've got a little segment with a special guest. We've got Nash back. How you doing, Nash? Good. So we're talking about favorite Halloween stuff. So First of all, what are you dressing up for as Halloween? Fish stick. Oh, you're dressing up as a fish stick? Like yummy, yummy fish sticks you put in the microwave? No. It's a different one. It's from Fortnite. Fortnite. Mm -hmm. Dab. (laughs) Uh, That's cool. I actually saw your costume last night, huh? Mm -hmm. It was pretty cool. And you did the loser dance. You mm-hmm. did the victory dance. Yeah. Before we talk about the board game, what's your favorite Halloween movie? Do you Ooh. have a favorite scary movie? I do love the Haunted Mansion or Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, or the yeah. new one, Muppets Haunted Mansion. Whoa, a Muppets Haunted Mansion? Uh-huh. That's new? On Disney Plus right now. Okay. All right, Disney Plus, sponsor us. Give us your money. We we mentioned you. (laughs) All right, now let's talk about board games. What's your Mm -hmm. favorite scary board game? Horrified. Horrified. (laughs) And we've played that how many times? A lot. A lot? I mean two times. (laughs) Two times. Hey, that's a lot, I guess, right? That's more than one. Yeah. Yeah. What about what was the first time? Who did we fight against? The Invisible Man and the Mummy. Mummy. And that was with Aunt Kimmy, me, uh-huh. and you, huh? And Uncle Roman. Oh, and Uncle Roman, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Did we win? Yes. Nice. Then the next one is Dracula and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mmm, scary. Was that harder? Yes. Yeah? (laughs) We had to break coffins and get to the creatures, the Black Lagoon creature lair. Yeah, we did, huh? Yeah. That's tricky. Yeah. But you did really, really good at getting to the lair. Yeah. You figured that out pretty well. And you broke all the coffins. Yeah. So pretty much, but let's see. I broke all the coffins, and then did I beat the creature from the Black Lagoon? Yeah, I think so. And then you made it to the lair, but you beat Dracula, huh? Yeah. So we teamed up. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? What do you think of the game? Cool. Nice. You want to play it again? Yes. Yeah. 
Maybe I want to do, like, Frankenstein and the Bride together. That's the only one we haven't fought against, huh? Yeah. We can fight against... Oh, we didn't fight against Wolfman either, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's our next pair. Uh Uh-huh. Let's take them down. Do the... Is the Frankenstein and the the Bride just have, like, the... Together... Do they have their same pad? Do they? What? Do they? Do you have to do it like three times, or like two times? Do they? Well, they have their own card, and there's two dials on the card, and you have to try and increase their humanity, and then bring them together when they're in when their humanity is at peak. Uh, But if they get together before that, then oh no, they've caused some terror. And you separate them and then restart. So they're they're kind of tricky because both of them are separate throughout the board. But if they come together, then bad things happen. So like you what? have to dodge both of them. But also you have to go to both of them to help them get their humanity. Humanity? Yeah. Do you know what humanity is? What? That's like your common decency. Being a good person. Oh. So, or for Frankenstein and Frankenstein's bride, well, Frankenstein's monster and Frankenstein's monster's bride, mm-hmm. that's a mouthful. Ah. They're monsters, and so we're trying to make them more human. Oh. And the wolfman, we're not trying to kill the wolfman in this one. We're trying to cure him from his wolfmanism, cure <laughs> the wolf part of him, and then... Turn him back into a normal man. Get rid of the wolf part. But he's just going to stay in the store. <laughs> stay in the store? Yeah. <laughs> buy stuff. Okay, all right. <laughs> what kind of stuff does the wolf man buy? Dog food. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs> it was a wolf. Yeah, that makes sense. You're smart. You're a smart kid. All right, well, that's all I have. Do you want to say anything else? Mm-hmm. What? Last time I went on, it was the perfect one to start. Why is that? Because it's the best thing to record. <laughs> what do you mean? Because, well, if someone wants to listen to something, then they can listen to this one about board games. Can we talk about board games? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves board games sometimes. If they're bored, they can play it. Sometimes there's no one to play with, so they have to be bored all day. Oh, no. So you should play board games every day if you're bored. If you have anyone to play with. (laughs) Did you know that there's games you can play all by yourself? What? Yeah. Like what? I do do that all the time. I can play Horrified by myself. What? Yeah. Or I can play Marvel Champions or Marvel United. We play that one together, but I can also play that by myself. It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. I have a lot of one-player ones. 
so that I can still play board games even when Kimmy doesn't want to. Oh. <laughs> All right, give me an evil laugh and then we'll we'll cut cut it out. Happy Halloween. That is everybody. Thank you so much for contributing. You can find all of their Twitter handles in the show description, the episode description. And let's do the outro stuff. Kickstarters, Faction Fighters is still going. So go take a look at that. It's successfully funded. Yippee! If you enjoy the podcast, let me know. You can at me at Nerd Out With Us or email me, the board game community show at gmail.com. If you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be excellent with me. Last week's episode, we talked about Protocon, so that's tickets are still going. The triple badges are gone. So if you're a designer, you can still sign up for a double time slot, which is like six hours worth of playtesting, or you can do a single one. And then for other people, if you just want to come and playtest games, totally welcome to I might have space at my house even. If you're out of town, you can totally reach out to me and be like, hey, uh, I want to come to ProtoCon. Maybe can I stay at your house? And I live like three or four minutes away from where it's happening. So you can go to protoconutah.com for more information about that. Next week, I actually don't have a teaser. I know I started that last week and said like, well, this is what I'm hoping to do. But I haven't recorded next week's episode. All right, that is it. Until next week, keep nerding out. And now a tale so frightful that I legally need to put a disclaimer beforehand. This is not for the faint of heart. You've been warned. The moon was full on Halloween and people started to arrive for the frightful game night. Little did they know how wrong it would go. Many came bearing a variety of treats, from cookies to candies, sugar was in great abundance. The stereo played all their favorite songs as they chattered and gathered, waiting for the main event to begin. The lights dimmed and the music faded, though the room fell silent, the buzz of anticipation could be felt by all. Awaiting the announcement of the first game, everyone looked to the host. The host felt all eyes on them, but shifted focus to the Eurogamer. The Eurogamer, confused, led eyes to the party gamer. The party gamer looked hopefully towards the American gamer. A panic fell on the American gamer, desperately looking to the Kickstarter junkie. The Kickstarter junkie looked across the room. They were the first to realize the truth. The dread spread quickly until everyone realized no one had brought a game.